Welcome back to the Processing Podcast with Mary and Sophie, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. If you guys haven't listened to our episode from last week, we did a full breakdown of all that went on at Sophie's engagement party, so go and give that a listen. It's Saturday at the time of recording this, and I'm very happy it's the weekend. I'm going to the State Fair today here in Minnesota, and I'm going to eat my weight in food and it's going to be <laughs> bad food. Like there's, there's so many combinations this year of sweet and spicy that it's, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Is there like a particular food that you're excited for specifically? Yeah. There's these beer. Well, there's some crazy things. There's like slushy beer and, um, Oh, that sounds like that would, well, maybe not. It makes it just like cold, but it's odd. And it's like blue grain belt or whatever grain belt blue. So it's a really crappy beer. Um, There's these onion rings that I'm really excited about. Lots of breakfast food, like breakfast gnocchi. Things like that that I'm interested in trying. There's a cotton candy milkshake. Um, That sounds like a lot these weird varieties of crepes yeah I'm excited so I'm I'm (laughs) creating my list like this morning just writing down the list of things I want to try but um aside from that how have you been I'm curious to know in your profession what life is like this time of year because everyone has different busy seasons so in your what is you know the entrance to fall like um fall is always crazy for us. So essentially, you know, there's two reasons for this. The first reason is because anybody who's on like a, um, what is it? July to June fiscal year, they just get their budgets. And so they're able to sign new work with us, but also people who are on January to December fiscal years have to spend their money before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So we have like a convergence of people who are getting money and a com- like people who have to spend it. So there's always a lot of work. And plus, you know, holidays spark all kinds of campaigns for advertising and um, people are just trying to get things done before the holidays. So it's always just a crazy time of year for us. Um, luckily, we just hired a couple new people. Thank God we really needed them. Um, but it's just been insane. Last weekend was by far the craziest weekend I've had in a long time. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, I'm very grateful for my job. It gives me a very consistent 40 hour work week. I Monday through Friday, very rarely go over my hours. I never have to work on weekends, but last weekend we had a client that had a community event that we planned on Saturday, no Sunday. So I had my cousin's baby shower in Vegas. So I had to fly out to Vegas Friday afternoon from LAX, which in and of itself is a mission. Land in Vegas, stay the night, go to the baby shower the next day, leave from the baby shower to the airport, fly in and like get home at 10 p.m. and then wake up at 6 a.m. the next day to go and do this event on Sunday. Um, and luckily, you know, it was just an event to welcome the community to their facility and give them free tacos and free ice cream and stuff like that. So it was easy. 
to be there, but like all the setup and waking up early and staffing it after having just been in Vegas was a lot. <laughs> I mean, we aren't used to like flying somewhere the day of and flying home the day of. Wait, did you fly into Vegas Friday or Saturday? Friday. So it was okay. a 24 hour gotcha. turnaround. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's always tough, especially when you go to an event and you have to leave to the airport after like you can't really fully release and have fun because you're yeah. like I need to be on point to get back in time because I have a big early morning work event that yeah. situation happens with me so much like I know exactly <laughs> how you felt last weekend because I work on the weekends so I over extend myself as best as I can to accommodate personal life relationships and obviously work. So it's like early morning, go do this, you know, for example, like uh, brunch at my boyfriend's parents' house, and then, you know, be ready to get back and go to work right after. So that is wild to me that that's normal for you. Because yeah. <laughs> last, I mean, I, I just, in my mind, I always know I'm like, Mary's just has a different lifestyle. She's just go, go, going. <laughs> like I can't ever compare my lifestyle to Mary's because mine is so consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not like, yes, last weekend I was just drained after the event. I got home at like four and I sat on the couch and ordered pad thai and didn't move again until like 10 PM. I was exhausted. So I just can't imagine a hundred percent very exhausting. Um, but it looked like fun. I saw the Instagram stories and pictures from your cousin's engagement yeah. party or, or bridal shower, her bridal shower. And it yeah. looked like so much fun. I love yeah. that. I know your family now because before yeah. I didn't know any of that side. <laughs> now I get it. Um, so this time of year in my world is insanely busy too Mm -hmm. because once football season starts like anyone you hear that works in sports you'll always hear them say once football begins you are working constantly for the next five to six months oh my god and it's actually nice because a lot of people in the sports business are talking about it now all the sports podcasts I listen to they're starting to communicate like this time of year is so fun because we get football back, but it's also a little bit anxiety inducing because you know that for this next stretch of, of time, you're going to be working constantly. But yeah, I mean, before the season, getting a bunch of previews done, um, Vikings training camp was so fun to attend and report on all the storylines. The Vikings had a joint practice with the 49ers and their new starting quarterback this year who they drafted in 2021 is going to be their starter. And he's from the area that I cover. So all of the storylines regarding that, it's so great, but like the longest days and it's intense. And then the season hasn't even started yet. So next week football season starts um, at the high school college and the week thereafter the NFL season starts and it's going to be crazy. Oh my gosh in every direction you look, there's games going on, there's stories to talk about. Um, so I'm kind of going through that right now. It's it's (laughs) a mixture of excitement and a little bit of, Oh man, like the summer wasn't that chill. 
you know, I don't feel <laughs> totally didn't get, released yeah. from <laughs> the last couple months. Oh no. But well, it's the older you get, like last year, the year before, I never thought about, oh, I'm going to have to, I never, I never had that perspective. I just like, oh, football is back and then I'm working, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like exciting. So, yeah. Getting older. Well, your as you get older, changes. you have more obligations too. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have more of a personal life and when you're young, I mean, you don't have any obligations. So you're just like able to do whatever you need to do. Um, but exactly. yeah, I, I commend you for, cause, but I feel like you actually really enjoy it. So that is good because if you were doing something this rigorous and not enjoying it, that would just be terrible. But I feel like from you, Absolutely. you're actually really yeah. enjoying it. For sure. Um, And hopefully this resonates with any of our listeners that are outside of the West Coast. But this is the first season since I've moved to the Midwest that I also have a bit of an anxious feeling around the winter coming. Mm. Before this, I never did because I was still fresh off my mindset of living in heat year round in Southern California. And I was so eager to experience seasons and this is the first year where I'm like there's more implications that come with winter because there's another busy sports season and it's not as simple as just the weather and you know goals that you have in your own personal life you know achieving things etc but yeah this is the first time I moved to the midwest in 2015 from college to go to mm-hmm. Iowa State, experienced mm-hmm. all four seasons, worked in the professional world in Minnesota for going on three years. And I can officially say, or maybe going on four years, I can officially say that I have weather anxiety towards the winter. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's when you know you're like, you're like a local now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just crazy the the different perspective changes you have year to year. And um you know, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. In the the colder times, I'll just give a little bit of context. Like the colder times are cold um in at, during the best part of the year. So December, January, that's when you you love the snow, it's so great. But it's when it extends February, April, March. Yeah, that's a lot. Did I say that? Out of order. order. I said that out of order, right? February, March, April. February, March, April. That's when it's like, okay, the spring doesn't feel like spring and it's just mm. cold. So anyways, I'm just being honest. You know, I've always, I've always been as adaptable as I can be. And I've, you know, in a way prided myself on that, but things change. (laughs) (laughs) You get more particular as you get older too. Yeah. So definitely busy time of year for both of us. Good to know. I think it's, that's kind of the tune for everyone. Once the summer goes away, the vacation comes to an end and, um, it's a grind The ability to take vacation. I should say there's no true vacation in the working world, but the grind truly begins. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot to talk about on this week's episode. Get excited. We're going to 
end the show like we typically do with the wedding conversation. I've officially started planning the bachelorette party that gets ah. underway in February of 2023. And then Sophie is also trying to finalize details that we'll get into. And before that, we have lots of topics to break down. We're not going to just have a clear cut hot topic segment this week where we each bring, you know, one really big thing that we're following into the conversation. We're just going to rattle through a bunch of things that have been going on this week because not only is television ramping up, but, you know, people in our, in our um, society that we've looked up to are starting to speak their minds and, and fight for what they believe in and stand up for themselves. So let's get to it. First, (laughs) I have a very, concerning issue with Starbucks that I haven't heard anyone talk about, but I would say, you know, I'm above average in terms of what I pay attention to with what Starbucks has going on with their coffee drinks, what type of products they use, because I try to replicate them at home a lot. That's just kind of always been of interest to me. And I think it was maybe last year or two years ago, Starbucks introduced a new oat milk and it was a specific oat milk brand from Oatly and it's very popular overseas, like in Sweden, Europe, essentially. And um, it came to the US, but the production was a lot slower. So Mm. over, you know, overseas, their grocery stores, I saw pictures and, and videos online of their entrances to the grocery stores of being all of this specific oat milk. And what makes it special is it has a thicker consistency, a bit of an odier aftertaste, and it just really complements certain coffee drinks well, like chai, like I'm sure you heard of the brown sugar oat milk shake and espresso, all of these drinks, it just has a good alt, um, taste as well as being a dairy alternative. So once it's made its way to the US, there were a lot of oat milk shortages because they couldn't not only because of COVID um, supply chain, but just production, trying to keep up with the production with how popular it got because it's such great oat milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started to do research onto what all of what I explained, what type of oat milk it was, because I could taste it um, going and wanted to have it at home, <laughs> I started ordering it by the bulk. And of course, it's more expensive online, like it's almost five dollars a carton and it's not that big wow you know my mom would get it for me for she got me on two separate occasions these you know like i guess shipping containers of them only you know 12 come in it they're not Mm -hmm. that big i've ordered them you know through amazon but it's through a certain supplier and for the past two months I have, and this is almost a year later since really um, being or consuming that oat milk on a, on a high volume scale. <laughs> For the past month, I've been getting these emails from the FDA about how that oat milk, you know, a previous purchase uh, that we see that you made um, has a new FDA warning. And I guess I should pull up that FDA warning. But the essentially there's these like foodborne illnesses in the oat milk. What? Let's see. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. I'm not, gonna be able, I'm not gonna be able to 
I'm going to do my best to pronounce pronounce these these things. It's going to be a fail. So, um, company announcement, and this is attached to, you know, the the FDA notification I got because it's they were able to locate everyone that's bought in this oat milk. But it's called Lions. Lions Magnus expands voluntary recall, which is, I guess, one of the um, suppliers, to include additional nutritional and beverage products due to the potential for microbial contamination. And the reason for announcement due to a potential for microbial contamination, including, and then there's two that are not even worth trying to pronounce and this is the same oat milk that Starbucks has been using now granted if this was a true you know issue that could be affecting millions beyond just like the supplier that I got that oat milk from which I do know that Starbucks during that time was doing everything they could to get their hands on this oat milk any like they would go to a grocery store they would order it beyond what their typical uh workflow of getting their inventory you know it, it was just oh, it was that it was that um big of a of a shortage and it was there was a really high demand for it so of course their suppliers whatever it could be a completely different situation but in the event that this is um it it, it you know other oat milks that they use came from this same I don't know. Like I know so little about this process supplier, um, the people that, you know, make it whatever it is, there's an issue with the oat milk. Does it like make you, what kind of sick though? Like if it makes you throw up, that's one thing, but if it's like something more serious than that, that would be. So the infection related to these rare, um, microbial contaminations you know i have no idea what i'm talking about but (laughs) the common symptoms of illness could include fever vomiting and urinary tract infection however vulnerable and immunocompromised populations may be more susceptible to infection the other one there's two different um there's two different ones uh the other one is a severe form of food poisoning it begin it can begin from six hours to two weeks after eating food that contains this toxin. Symptoms may include double vision, blurred vision, drooping eyelids, slurred speech, difficulty swallowing, and muscle weakness. What? And, that sounds um, like a stroke. <laughs> yeah, not great. And it sounds awful. Okay, so the root cause analysis indicates that the products did not meet commercial steroid sterility specifications (laughs) sterility probably i would sterility okay i don't know i honestly i'm I'm guessing it's bright and early and i'm all i've had is coffee and no food it ain't that early it's (laughs) almost 10 30 for you no it's early it's seven well whatever 8 16 for you so it's 8 16 for me regardless um you know, this, this could be a huge scandal, not scandal, like a huge issue that yeah swept under the rug that no one knows about. 
And well, I mean, even quiet. this supplier, even this supplier is one that like you had to wait weeks because they were constantly sold out. So even mm -hmm. if like Starbucks has nothing to do with, you know, this Lions, Magnus, whatever, um, it says it's a Lions Magnus is a a leader in the food industry, produces and markets a wide array of products for global food service and food ingredient channels. So my research prior to this conversation should have been who does Lions Magnus um, distribute to, because that could better, you know, answer who is directly affected by this. But this is a a, um, a brand, and it's clearly not the brand's fault. It's how it was handled after the fact. But this is a brand that's widely used, and um, yeah, I have that to imagine scandal that happened. Yeah, the the lettuce or the meat. You know what they. I do like Chipotle. I also have a beef with Chipotle, but um, I just saw the other day their lettuce get recalled again. I'm like, why are they having so much? Maybe I heard it's because like they do keep their food all out in the open air and that like exposes it to things. But mm -hmm. I mean, they have so many problems and I know so many people that have gotten sick from Chipotle, but really? anyway. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's one of those things when if I get sick from it, I just, I don't even look into it further because I'm like in my head I already know there's probably a a decent chance each time that I eat their meat that I'm gonna get sick but I know when before the bigger one was Chipotle that affected like the national um that affected it nationally was there was more from the like farm that they got their lettuce oh. from you know what I mean so it was way before it was a contamination in grocery stores too mm, maybe not nationally yeah. but like at the regional level there were these outbreaks so I well I'm holding on to information that affects a ton of people and I you know I it'll never make its way to mainstream media because I don't know how this stuff works or we would have known about it and it's only affected like a very small population. But by the sounds of that food company, it seems like a lot of people might be affected by this. Well, I do. I have a little bit of hope just because it sounds like you've been drinking copious amounts. <laughs> I completely stopped with oat milk. Like you did. Okay. Yeah. But that's a really loud plane going over me right now. Um, <laughs> well, I'll elaborate. Um, once I started to learn more about the ingredients in oat milk, especially the barista blend that has a ton of different ingredients to make it have the ideal consistency, the, the more that I realized this is incredibly bad for my gut health. Like there's gum, oh. there's sunflower oil, there's lots of different oils that are really bad and gut health for me has been a priority. And that could be because of the amount of oat milk or the specific oat milk brand that I was drinking. Now mm. I've tried to, um, muster up the courage on a weekly basis to buy this thing called oat milk. It's at whole, whole foods. It's $6 a pop, but the ingredients are three simple things, Himalayan salt, filtered water and organic oats. It wow. tastes like it sounds. It doesn't so sound it's not good. nearly as good. <laughs> I've honestly just started 
going back to drinking a little bit of normal milk. I'm like, the, if the alternatives aren't going to be mm. healthy for my gut, I might as well just limit my overall milk intake and try my, you know, just drink what's there that hopefully doesn't have a bunch of bad things in it. Milk yeah. Is, milk is a, a tough one. Honestly, well, I mean, I would say a majority of people can't drink milk. Like I took a nutrition mm-hmm. class and they said that we're just not supposed to drink milk. Like our bodies are not supposed to ingest it mostly because a lot of people don't have the enzyme. I think it's called lactase. A lot of people don't have that enzyme um, to break it down. Some people do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the only Asian person I know that can drink milk <laughs> because really? it's that something like 95% of Asian people are lactose intolerant. Um, but I mean, I, I, I went away from milk well, because I started learning more about the, the hormones that are in it and all, yeah. all, of, all of the fact that we have this white, beautiful looking milk and it looks nothing like that in its true most organic state yeah it's so well, like yeah. this this seems you know this seems wrong true. Yeah, this <laughs> seems problematic but then but then also I started not reacting to it like I would I would have to use the restroom right after drinking milk just the 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 common um well, you're probably a little bit sensitivity lactose intolerant yeah and well so I, I act like I am but now I'm like I don't even know what to do for me, it's not so much about being intolerant. I just, just kind of grosses me out. I don't know. Like when I'm drinking, Darren is completely different. He can pour a glass of milk and just drink it straight. And he just loves it. And I think that's so disgusting. I can't even begin, especially because there's just things I've learned about milk that are gross. Like not only does it come from an udder, like, ew, that's also just gross. <laughs> I just hate thinking about that when I'm drinking it like where it started I just don't like that and um I was watching I like I was vegan for a hot second and I was like watching all these vegan documentaries and there's according to the FDA and it's it's microscopic but there's an acceptable amount of pus in milk there's like Mm. which Ew, like why? Like something that we would want to consume. No, not even on a microscopic level. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just, my issue with milk is not have anything to do with gut health or being lactose intolerant. It just mostly with the thought of it and what's in it and where it came from. So that's Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I don't agree with being grossed out of milk coming out of an udder because how other foods are are um stripped of its um original state is a lot worse but um you saying that you went through the process of being vegan for a bit goes to show that overall the that was just a turn off for you for a while so are yeah. you are you back to eating meat like what what was that process like? oh no this was a long or... this okay. was a long time ago no you knew me it was right I actually met Darren and I was vegan. I was trying my best to be vegan. It's really difficult to be vegan because there are animal products in so many things like Mm -hmm. candy. Gelatin candy has animal products in it. Um, 
And the other difficult thing is, yes, you can go through the trouble to make all these really cool vegan dishes. And that's great, if, especially if you have time to cook and you're into cooking. But if you have like a fast paced lifestyle or you don't have time to cook or you're just looking for something fast, like I was eating just like noodles and tomato sauce so mm-hmm. often because that was just something I knew didn't have any animal products and I could just eat it. Didn't have to think about it. And I was actually gaining weight, which I was super upset about. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go vegan and I'm going to lose all this weight because I heard people, you know, you're just eating vegetables and you and end up overall a healthier, cleaner yeah. diet. Yeah. But you end up eating a lot of starch, which and, well, that's what I was going to add it too, is a lot of times when you're not, you're you're always, there's always some sort of filler that just overall isn't good. But yeah, I, my, my mom growing up was very on top of trying to eat as clean as possible, no processed foods. And, you know, I did, I, I appreciated that effort and I appreciated the way that she fed me, but it's kind of all come full circle now, now that I've had my experience with trying to eat a, a different ways to be quote unquote healthy. Now I'm, I'm circling back to just trying to eliminate as much processed food as I can. But once you start to really think about it, cause you know, we're so, we're so far out of control of where our food comes from, how it's made all of these things. I just don't want to drive myself crazy looking at all of the, the, <laughs> in between the reading in between the lines of all of these you can we eat you can especially in the u.s i mean to be fair i feel like i'm biased against our own country like i feel like (laughs) i don't i to be fair i don't know like i haven't done the research on how we process foods and why our food is more processed than other countries but i do know that that's an accepted sentiment that people think American food is not as healthy and unprocessed as other parts of the world. Like, for example, I know somebody who has a friend who came from Australia. She came to the US. She didn't change her diet at all. Like she just was eating the same types of foods, but they were just different brands. They were just American brands. And she started, she gained 15 pounds. She didn't change her diet at all. It was just the switch from Australian to American brands. And I don't know. I don't know if it's because we've tried to make our food processing more efficient, whatever it is. It's not good. As expensive as possible could seem, seems to be the more that I hear those stories of, of the terrible diets that people have um, in other parts of the world, but it's not nearly as bad as um, what it is like here. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm interested to see when we go to Italy and France for our honeymoon, Mm. what if there's, I'm going to really compare like ingredients and how I feel and all of that while I'm there. Okay. So question for you, Sophie, did you watch the um, debut of the prequel of Game of Thrones? It's called House House of the Dragon. Dragon. Absolutely. I did. And I have some opinions on it. <laughs> I I found it very interesting. So I actually didn't watch Game of Thrones. And what? I Are only watched the last episode. 
because oh my God. I was in college and all of my it's college scary. got together for the finale and I watched the finale. So what? I saw all of the tragedy. And I mean, I think I um, really disagree with that decision that you made to do. That. Yeah, <laughs> I really I, disagree with it. Okay, so I watched this first episode. And then I listened to a couple podcasts about it. And I realized, you know what, I think I can acknowledge. Well, I've always acknowledged that it's something that I want to watch because it, it's, it's so highly acclaimed. It's talked about so like with so much praise and who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to watch that. But of course, now knowing that the end to Game of Thrones was like horrible, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to want to go back and watch. Um, it's so worth it. And, I would definitely say do it. The, the conversation on the podcast was, you know, the people that kind of felt, felt a little, some type of way about the, first episode for house of the dragon um they were saying like but this is game of, this is the game of thrones writers like they are ruthless there's no happy endings they will kill your favorite person and it'll be in the most brutal fashion possible yeah and that's true it's it's not but... uh, there's no happy ending so and, I, and i'm like i love a happy ending mm-hmm. i love feeling complete at the end of watching something and not having my heart ripped out of my chest yeah but that's not I I do appreciate a good happy ending but I also appreciate when it's not I I like to be surprised sometimes because if it's always a happy ending why am I watching it like there's nothing new I'm not going to gain anything from it and I mean okay Top Gun Maverick for example no spoilers if we don't want to but I expected the worst. I expected the worst for Tom Cruise. Yeah. And um, what was his? It wasn't Rooster. It was um, what was the name for Miles Teller's character? Wasn't Rooster? Well, his dad was Goose, so I don't know. He was some sort of bird. Miles Teller. (laughs) Yeah, Miles Teller. So the outcome of that could have been anything. Like. And it, yeah. it was so unpredictable. So there's still a way to have a happy ending and be completely unpredictable. So, okay. I just want to get into this episode because I, I do have a lot of opinions on it and I want to make sure we get through it. But first, first thing I want to start, uh, just put out there. If I choose to keep watching House of Drag- House of the Dragon, um, I've, I've heard that it actually could, in theory, be kind of cool to watch this first the prequel because it happened 200 years before and then watch game of thrones so it's not completely out of the question we'll see how this discussion um sways my motivation to keep watching it also is sunday night that's football i have a feeling though the reason the only reason i'm watching these prequels is because i am so invested in the game of thrones franchise so I appreciate it. It might be tough for you to appreciate the prequel. Um, okay. But anyways. I mean, I enjoyed the first episode overall, but okay, let's get into it. So <laughs> first, before I analyze it, I just want to talk about my emotional reaction to the episode. Um, so specifically the scene. 
specifically the scene and honestly we're just going to talk about it if you haven't seen it turn off this episode go watch it and come back yeah um, or just fast forward um yeah, i'll put, I'll put time stamps in this in the description so just fast forward to a later segment yes so in the first episode the queen is pregnant and the king is very desperate for a son in the birth scene all these complications arise the baby is breech and they have to make a decision about whether or not they want to save the baby or lose both the mother and the baby essentially but saving the baby would mean a c-section and obviously at that time in westeros in this fictional land there is no anesthesia there is no operating room it's your bedroom and a knife so it's pretty gruesome um the thought of that and so when i first when that was presented i was like oh man, like how could the queen ever choose to do that? Like if I was in that era, there's no way I would be brave enough to choose to have the C-section. Like that sounds awful and terrible and like, just kill me. Like I would, I would hate that. And when they actually show what, what they decided, the king just goes to her bedside and says, they're going to take the baby out now. And she's out of it. So she's like, oh, okay. And then she, realizes that they're gonna cut it out of her without her consent and as soon as she had that realization and that clicked in her head and she wasn't consulted about this um, procedure that was about to happen to her I cannot describe the emotional reaction I had to it so like I guess the best way is to compare it to Darren so Darren I mean, obviously horrified, gruesome. Like he was just like, oh my God, this is terrible and awful. Tough to watch. And a, a big part of it too is you kind of touched on it. But um, of course, the king wanting a son for the purpose of having a rightful heir and the intention behind the king's decision to choose the life of, to, to make that decision was not rooted in good faith at all it was like a very selfish decision continue yeah and to put you know she was probably going to die anyway Mm -hmm. but to put her through the most painful death possible Mm -hmm. to save the son is again like without her consent is just terrible but Mm -hmm. darren's reaction was obviously horrified and just disgusted but it was like i couldn't describe what I was feeling, it felt like an anxiety attack when I was watching this. It was like, somebody described it really well. They were like, I've never felt this mixture of wanting to burst out crying and projectile vomit at the same time. It was like Mm -hmm. such like every negative emotion and just the feeling of like complete loss of control over your own body. I told Darren, it's like, it's like, almost like rape, but worse because Mm -hmm. it's number one, your husband is choosing to do this to you. Number two, you were not even consulted about this. Number three, there's no dulling the pain at all. It's you feel people just moving around their hands in your body. The whole thing was really disturbing and inhumane and terrible, but that all of that said, so that was my emotional reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And the internet has had a very similar emotional reaction. And I think a bee just flew into I my also, house. Oh no, <laughs> that's not good. I also had a emotional, I, okay, let's see. 
let me take that back. Upon uh, when I was watching it, I I'm not like the biggest fan of gory entertainment, so it was definitely like a, a cringe feeling. Like, ugh, like I don't want to watch that. Also, re- reminding myself that you know the the philosophy I try to carry in life is not to you know react off of emotion. So I was trying to look at it from the 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 perspective of the writers and why this is like really valuable to see this type of, you know, medieval lifestyle and how things were um, when no matter what type of um, no matter what scenario the situation is for childbirth back then, it's going to be awful. But um, the more that the scene progressed, I definitely was like, is it even worth it? Like I, is it even worth watching this? Because I did not enjoy watching that. I understand. I understand that there's at that time, there's a potential for there to be a greater meaning that like could make it make sense. But it just kind of felt like when there's like a movie and there's just like a brutal scene and it doesn't aid the plot at all. Yeah. That's how I felt in the moment. Like, what is this going to eventually mean? Because, and I hope I'm not, spoiling by the direction you're headed in explaining it but in the end like it didn't even matter because the the baby dies so they both die and it's like well what was the purpose of making everyone experience that and yes it's kind of like facing the reality of what maybe life was like for some people but like oh it just yeah going through that I think Oh my gosh, there's a lot. I'm sorry, there's a lot going on around me. Is there a (laughs) there's like a bee, and my cat is climbing the fence and about to go over. But anyway, I'm just gonna let it happen. Um, Darcy, get back here. (laughs) She's really pushing her her limits right now. Um, So, in my opinion, I I agree, and I think a lot of people agree based on what I'm seeing on the internet is just. People think it's unnecessary. It's too much, too much disturbing content for for what you get in return. It's like there there wasn't a need to bring it to that level when they were going to die anyway, and that's what a lot of people are saying. Um, but personally, uh, I do appreciate what they're intention was and I what I think their intention was obviously it's hard to know exactly um but I do think this is kind of a way to I think history is such an important thing I know it's not history it's Westeros it's fictional but a lot of the things in Westeros are kind of like based in medieval times and how life was during that time and to me like history is the best way to pay tribute to people that have suffered in the past and especially women Mm -hmm. like it's hard it's hard to get people to really like even the modern woman me like I can't imagine being a woman back then like you have no rights Mm -hmm. you're expected to have a son and if you don't you're a failure and you might die but who cares all that matters is you bear a son and I think it can be really difficult because we know all these things, right? We know these things. We've learned them in history. They're messed up, mm-hmm. whatever. We've learned about them. And it's hard to really empathize because it is so long ago and life isn't like that anymore. 
I appreciate them bringing it to that level because it makes you feel some type of way and feel the empathy for that queen to that level that I think people are now, you know, it puts that time of our society into perspective. And it's like, wow, women really had it very rough. And like, they didn't need her consent to do that. They didn't need to chat with her about whether or not she was okay with this. And the king Um, had the ability in his heart to look at her in the eye and hold her hand through the process. Yeah, exactly. And that was like, well, you know, she was going to die anyway. Like that sucks. Yeah. And, and, and that's really interesting that you started it with, you know, you have so much um appreciation for the entire franchise whereas i'm like are you know i have no idea what the intention is behind it and from some of the people that are a lot less invested you know i hear things like you know are they just trying to one up the intensity of this season to what game of thrones was you know the writer's process is so interesting i've i've kind of never thought about it before um i think I think the extent of the writer's process that I've thought of was um, was I I'm just picturing that scene from you um, with Joe and one of his victims brothers and like they're he's talking about writing this thing like on a whiteboard anyways and then so beyond that hopefully that resonated with someone (laughs) stranger things which I don't know if I told you I finished stranger things Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, well, we'll have to, I'll, I'll have to give yeah. my thoughts after if we remember. But um, <laughs> so the Stranger Things Twitter account, the writers kind of control it. And they talk a lot about or they I guess they show the behind the scenes of what their writers process is, is like. And it's kind of a reminder, like the writing process goes on as like the show goes on for or like season to season. Things are being created. It's not like this well thought out story before and then it just takes a long time to execute it it's like they're episode to episode season to season things are changing in in their writer's process Mm -hmm. so for me I'm like is is that is that something that I appreciate if they're just trying to get the biggest reaction out of people not and I have no reason to believe that I'm just saying like I want to really appreciate it as you do. Whereas for me, I, I naturally didn't feel that way. I was like, do I just want to put myself through this type of show that that evokes so much emotion? And, you know, from what I hear, like that, that little girl can die in the next episode. Like, it's just such a ruthless series. Yeah. I don't know what to expect. I do. I think... I know what you mean. It's just like, are they just doing this for, you know, extremity's sake? Like, are they just mm-hmm. trying to make you feel disturbed as much as possible so that they can claim that they they did that and they are the most yeah. disturbing and serious? Your, but- the way you see it and the way that you assume from what you know about the writers, I mean, yeah, that's the best case scenario well, that there's more. That's why I think you definitely it. need to watch Game of Thrones because yes, it's gory. Yes, you know, there are chopped off heads probably in every episode and you almost become desensitized to it. But the story and the plot and the content that's there is, 
so much more than the gore that goes on, mm-hmm. um, which I think is why, you know, you put up with it because it it's not just a TV show that's gory. There's so much complexity and depth um, and when you really dig into it, but there's a lot of different perspectives too. Like on Twitter, there's people saying, um, actually saying that the game of Thrones writers like are claiming to need to have brought that scene to life because of X, Y, and Z when it's fiction and having like the, it's kind of a, it's kind of an example. that's not, had, does it have the most grounds, but like, you know, the, it's not realistic for all of these people to have like platinum blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. And that's so the it's thing. Like is, they, but, they, but that situation. Themselves on the real, the realism to it. Yeah. How realistic it is. Yet there's so many parts that aren't. So it's like some people are almost wanting them if they're going to make that argument to like really prove it in every area. And that's just a different perspective. I'm not yeah. necessarily agreeing with No, that. I know. And that's the thing is to me, like the things that are made up, my dad has the same argument. He's like, why would I watch a show that has dragons in it? That's dumb. And I'm like, it's, those are Especially the- Especially when the dragons don't live. I know. I know. But, uh, <laughs> but to me, like those details are so irrelevant. Like those are the things that make it fantastical and, and a fantasy world, but everything else in it is accurate. Like, honestly, that situation that that queen was put in, Obviously, I didn't live back then, so I don't know. I can't say that it was exactly what it was like in medieval times. But I would imagine, yeah, like that happened. And so for me, I just appreciate them making us feel that level of emotion for that scene because I don't think people really appreciate everything that many different groups, but especially women, went through at that time. And so I just think that it's almost a way to pay respect to the women of that time, because we don't ever put ourselves in a situation to even think about what they went through. So they forced us to feel bad and sympathetic and empathetic and disgusted and horrified and all of these emotions for her because it's awful. And so um, I just appreciate that because I just feel like it's exactly that, that is realistic to what happened back yeah then. that's there is a beauty to that and I've I've experienced that in other in other shows to where well you you see it and yet you're forced to to look at the the yeah the growth like oh I and you know um you're forced to look at the things about our history that absolutely suck yeah. And um it's kind of a you know there's there's some movies and shows about the reality of slavery and mm-hmm. I immediately after watching House of the Dragon episode 1 I was explaining to Evan how like there's these things that are reality um that are important to look back at and and understand and know but it's awful to see like I do not want to watch you know I don't I I just don't want to watch it not not because I'm too set sensitive to watch it I guess it's just it hurts my heart like it's so uh, 
terrible. It's not something I am excited to watch, but of course I'll appreciate um, when it's there. But I also didn't really understand the intentions of House of the Dragon. So I'm like, well, that's what I have that what you're saying. Then I can really see. I'm hoping from what I've gathered from the articles I read, I'm pretty sure that's the intention. If it wasn't, and if it was just to be gory, then that makes me upset but I mean either way we can also just interpret it how we want so I like I like that perspective I just but I I agree though that yeah it's tough and but it is important to remember because I feel like in order to be a truly empathetic individual um you need to like fully understand what every marginalized group went through in our history and so you know just the last thing I read about this episode was they actually did uh, screen this episode to many diff- like a lot of women before they aired it okay and it was just interesting the sentiment across the unanimous sentiment of all the women was that it <laughs> that it was fine and that honestly it wasn't gory enough to be real yeah I mean that 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 when you were explaining like the when I was putting myself on the thought of like really what medicine was like back in the day and and looking back and appreciating what used to be I was like I mean a red splattered bed is I'm sure a lot less yeah a lot less Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it probably would have been way worse and (laughs) even that was unbearable Mm -hmm. so um I'm glad they didn't take it farther honestly (laughs) because I don't know if I could have handled it but you know that's that's what we have Yeah, that's what you're trying to accomplish is to to recreate what what that situation then yeah then let's critique how unrealistic it was but overall (laughs) you know without considering that I stand by the the phases and emotion that I felt throughout this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always fun to to watch something that makes you talk. Um, yeah, it's more fun to talk about it with you than it is to talk about with my male coworkers, my boyfriend. Yeah. Like it it it's just a little bit of a different tune. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> I want to quickly give you my thoughts on Stranger Things. You are a hundred percent right. Once I faced you, what it was it two episodes back, um, I talked to Sophie about how I was starting Stranger Things. Once I saw episode one, what the scariest thing was, which at that time it was just the Demogorgon in the yeah. first season. Yeah. Once I saw what it was, because there was at the time when I told you it's scary, I had no idea what was in the upside down so my mind was like am I going to be terrified now once I saw it in its truest form the quote-unquote monster then the fear went away and I was able to appreciate it more I actually went into it knowing how highly everyone talked about it and I was very critical throughout the process (laughs) um the season what so it's four seasons right I think total and then yes. season four was volume one and two yeah or is it five seasons shoot no shoot. I think it's four well the second to last season the second to last season yeah did not like it at all like no I didn't like it either I, I really didn't enjoy the acting I thought I I can understand the tone of it they really 
brought back the vibe of that time and um the the quirkiness of it but it didn't it didn't resonate with me and then there was that one episode that was just kind of a a standalone like introduced a different character that existed back but the the season finale was crazy there were well i wouldn't even say just the last episode of season but like, three or four so i'm talking about the the end of the mm, of, okay. of it so far mm-hmm. so four i guess that would be mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah there was a couple curveballs there that i didn't anticipate um <laughs> hopper got very attractive which i didn't expect i know i know <laughs> i none was of like, us, okay none i of can get behind him and joyce now um, yeah i i had and also a big part of it was there were a lot of characters that i didn't really care for i mm. didn't care for dustin for 90 oh, of the show He's so funny no, he was so annoying sometimes like the way <laughs> yeah. that he was just trying to make this demogorgon his pet and it really affected everyone. And it's like these kids, I know that they're kids, but Elle is like also a kid. She shouldn't be in these situations. Um, Max, I didn't really care for her attitude at first. And this makes me sound so critical and judgmental, but it's yeah. just the feelings I got from the characters at that time. And I yeah. wanted to like them because it would make it so much better. It was. It wasn't until really closer to the like definitely the last season where I started to like Max um yeah there were there were just uh I was always mega stan of Elle and Mike Mike I love Sophie do you have a character that you love love like because Mike is the most ideal kid in yeah in my imagination (laughs) I do yeah honestly I don't like, I like Elle, but she's so awkward that I have a hard time, like, emotionally connecting to her. See, uh, I, I disagree. I think what? she's so cute and sweet. And the way she talks, like, and we know so much about her childhood experiences. Yeah. So I, she, I don't feel like I needed more from her than we got. I just can't, like, because I, I think I try to think of them if, like, they were real people. I feel like I'd be annoyed with her. Um <laughs> With her, with like not knowing anything, I'd be like, oh my God. But whatever, I guess I'm not very empathetic. But who did you love? Like who was, who was, who was bringing out like the most emotion in you? Maybe hate, like what was that character for you? Because most consistently throughout it was hands down Mike and Elle. I like Lucas and Mike. Those are. Okay my two favorite and then yeah as you said in season well and then hopper i love hopper i love him see and i went through a a roller coaster with him too because i loved him at first because he was this like badass cop and then he started really showing his past traumas of losing his kid yeah and the way that he treated l i really um I really grew frustrated with him, the way that he handled his relationship. He just had a lot of problem, like baggage, which is fine. Yeah. But I wanted someone to be perfect. And the most perfect there was, was, yeah. Yeah, Mike. Mike is good. But, and then Joyce just like also irritates me. She's so manic. It's like, she's just. Who? She, Joyce. She stresses oh. me out. She's yeah. like, 
She seems like she's going to fly off the handle every five seconds. So I just can't with her. I did overall. My last comment is I I did enjoy how at when it was all said and done at the end of every season or at the, at the peak of every moment and confronting the upside down, they all were in different settings and somehow worked together. Like they work in completely different parts of, of the process you know, like, for example, like learning German between Steve and Robin and then Dustin. And then, um, you know, like they, they were just all in different pro- points of it, but they all helped each other, which yeah. I actually appreciated. I didn't think was like unrealistic because sometimes I struggle with something that's just way too unrealistic. But <laughs> but overall, yeah, so I'm happy I stuck with it. That was that was a great, great show. Um, so uh, real quick, I just wanted to, to touch on, um, there were a couple, two kind of big headlines that came out of the week. One was Jeanette McCurdy, who I assume was a very big Nickelodeon figure for you as well. Yeah. She came out with a book called, I'm happy my mom died, or I forget exactly what it was called, Mm -hmm. uh, but to that same sentiment. And it was talking about her abusive home and also the abuse she faced um, at Nickelodeon. And um, overall, like I, I think everyone listening should definitely go. Uh, I haven't read the memoir, but I yeah. definitely appreciated the conversation she had about it and how she was basically the only one who didn't accept a payout to keep quiet about everything that happened at Nickelodeon. So she was able to eventually do this. And I, I think, you know, everyone has their own um, backgrounds, obviously, but I can relate more to coming from a bit of a toxic household and maybe a toxic relationship with my mom at certain points in my life. And, you know, you, to see these major network um, personalities, like talk to her about like, and, and confront the issue that a lot of people had, you know, like obey thy mother and thy father, like the idea of outright talking about how you're you're um traumatized from your parents and how it makes you like not love them i thought was a very powerful conversation for a lot of people to see happen and then also to kind of reflect on yourself um but throughout that process like nickelodeon still no comment like all of these things are just like these there's such a big responsibility with child actors and young individuals in this industry of entertainment. Um, now influencers with like social media and it's like the, we, we have to like in our society, make, make that stop with our generation, hopefully, you know, like one would hope it's very difficult though, because you know, you can't like not have kids make decisions for themselves or pursue what they perceive to be their dreams at that time. So it's just being a, a good leader to those people while also trying to make money while trying yeah. to, you know, sell a product. Um, and in a lot of ways to do that, you have to exploit the individuals. If you don't have anything to add on that, we can also quickly touch on the Vanessa Bryant lawsuit. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, she sued the L.A. Well, she sued L.A. County um, 
more in relation to the LA firefighter department. <laughs> Is that right? Firefighter department? Fire. LA, probably LA County fire department. Fire yeah. department. Okay. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just with the, the, how the situation was handled um, when the, the helicopter crash happened, the responders on the scene taking vid, uh, pictures and she essentially in that process um sued for what i believe was 20 million to start actually don't think she even put a specified dollar amount upon um going about this lawsuit and just left it up to the jury so essentially like just some of the details it wasn't about the crash itself it was just what happened afterward and Bryant and her party accused the sheriffs and fire department employees of sharing and displaying gruesome photos of their deceased loved ones remains from the crash scene without having legitimate business or reason to do so. And after an 11 day trial, which is so short after having experienced the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial in my, you know, non legal <laughs> perspective, um, the jury found it to be a violation of their constitutional rights. Of course, Vanessa is going to donate all the, the money to the the Mamba and Mamba Sita Foundation for Gianna Bryant and Kobe Bryant. And um, yeah, I would have loved, not for entertainment purposes, but just like for all of the ethical conversations that would have had to have been had in the courtroom regarding this situation. Because anytime, you know, it's it's tough right like to sue any first responder or like government organization right that's yeah there's a lot of things that have happened that a lawsuit doesn't come out of it so for her to be found um in the right in this situation is is very interesting but it's it's kind of hard to to deny I think if they had the sheriff and fire department uh, lawyers had like a pristine legal argument, they would have gotten out of it just based off of like how they would have justified their protocol and what exactly happened. But um, because there were so there were some, some of the, the, um, some of the what is it called the the uh, deposition later impeach when it went to trial um it was kind of hard not to see the verdict going that way one was the reasoning behind why there was a a order i guess on behalf of the sheriff department for all of the employees to delete the photos because once they're taken it's a crime to delete evidence. So they had to come up with an answer for that. They also had to come up with an answer as to why they, Oh, well, and what went into that was they were, they were saying that the policy is that they're not supposed to, but since it was such an unprecedented situation, they had media organizations and the community like, you know, attacking them for this information. They thought it was best in that moment to delete the information for the hope that it wouldn't get out but Mm -hmm. it's like well policy is policy you're not supposed to delete evidence regardless of the reasoning and 
the photo shouldn't have been taken in the first place. And there's always that, that thought in Vanessa's head that's going to be, and all of the parents' heads, the family members, is one day the kids are going to grow up and they're going to see those photos if they do still exist and they they are which i'm sure they they do um public yeah i mean they were able one example was like one of the one of the employees showed a bartender like just little things like that that it's insane what word of word of mouth can do so anyway she wins that legal battle and you know hopefully that can help put some of those um, family members at some sort of peace. And really, I think the biggest thing for her was just accountability. Like you, you, you gotta be yeah. held accountable if you don't handle that situation. And she's doing it on behalf of other family members that were affected, not just for herself, but she yeah. has the most money and the biggest voice. Yeah. And you know, thinking 2020 was a heck of a year, man. Like that was the first thing I remember from 2020. And um, it's- president was in an impeachment <sighs> trial, COVID, Kobe, like no, what like- a year. And I, at that time I was a news anchor, <laughs> like a lot what? going on. Well, and, um, I was at the time, um, working with somebody who knew, like was actually a relative of, um, Vanessa's home organizer. Okay. So, um, like my old VP's niece, I think like organizes her or it was like her God daughter or whatever organizes Vanessa's house. And they were in the middle of reorganizing, um, Kobe's office and Gianna's, um, bedroom. So it's, it's crazy. Like the butterfly or the effect that it has. Well, and Vanessa, like it was tough because Vanessa was just like, I don't want you, you know, to touch their rooms. Like, I just want to leave it the way that they were. Like, I don't want to reorganize it anymore. So, um, yeah, it's just like, there was, that was just, I remember exactly where I was when I heard about the news and how it affected me. And, ugh, the fact that, this is still having to be put to bed. I can't even imagine for their family, like how long Mm -hmm. it feels. It is, it is unbelievable. Very, very um, shocking moment in our, in our um, recent couple of years. Very sad. And yeah, like you said, it's pretty unbelievable that they're still having to deal with the aftermath of, of all of this, but yeah. Um, so I think we're, I mean, there is a lot of things going on this week, but that kind of hits most of the points that we wanted to bring up. Um, last but not least, just a quick update on the wedding. I'll give a brief mm-hmm. update on how the bachelorette process is going. And I'm so hyped. You're first, killing it on the planning. <laughs> you first, are. Uh, what's the, what's the last you know, few things that are kind of stressing you out in terms of deadlines. Well, so now that the engagement party's over, we're less than eight months away from the wedding, which I don't know how that happened. That just came up real quick. I mean, last time I was saying, oh, it's like 16 months away. It's a year away. And now we're like less than eight months, which is not a lot of time in the wedding world. So I still have to get a DJ. I still have to get a florist and I still have to find a day of coordinator. 
And these are all okay. things, they're not super expensive, but they're definitely can be expensive. So you have to kind of do some research to find somebody that's reasonable. And we're already pretty much over budget. Um, we will be over budget. That's just going to be a fact of life. <laughs> that's a simple um, fact. <laughs> just a simple fact that I've accepted and I haven't allowed to stress me out. Um, we also, I had aimed to send out save the dates in August. It's August 27th. Haven't sent them out. Oh, um, gosh, darn it. Gosh, dang it. Um, but you know what? <laughs> I'm okay with sending them out a little bit later. Um, for the simple fact that if we don't give people a hundred percent perfect notice, <laughs> then maybe we'll save some money. But, um, you know what? Obviously everyone we invite, we want to come. It's just so, it's expensive. just not that simple. Yeah, oh, no, that simple. I get it. And, yeah. um, unfortunately for you, you and Darren are such amazing people that everyone's going to drop everything they have going on. So that. <laughs> well, and then, yeah, so it's just booking the last couple things and then, yeah, I just, the timeline just goes so fast. I did not realize how quickly this would creep up on me. So I mean, it's basically fall. So yeah. It's, yeah. It's getting, yeah. And I still have to get my dress altered and everything. So two and a <laughs> half ish seasons away. So creeping up so in terms of the bachelorette party scottsdale uh here we uh, go um hurrah and (laughs) you know there's there's a decent amount of air like i've really enjoyed looking on tiktok because a lot of people invested in property in scottsdale to create these gorgeous airbnbs Mm -hmm. but there's a big difference between like an 800 a night airbnb or not really in terms of looks wise, but like, and some of them that are almost $2,000 a night. So it's kind of figuring that out because there are some really great places that are reasonably priced, but then the ones that are like, Oh, I really wish we could go there. Um, (laughs) it would cost an arm and a leg and no one's trying to do that. So, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm doing some research on. And then I've officially reached out to, 92% of (laughs) the party. Well, I've reached out technically to everyone, but some of the people I talked to at the engagement party, I need to send a follow-up. So they accept the invitation, but Mm -hmm. nonetheless, everyone knows everyone's um, a part of this app. I I am using called the batch. It'll it'll just kind of get everyone together and, and I'll be able to give like general updates, but some of the stuff, you know, it'll be a lot of maybe not a lot of, but uh, some one-on-ones with specific people that can, that can get a, a, an idea of what the people they're close to are thinking and, and things like that. So I've found a, a couple websites that have some amazing like decor and all of these batch inspired um, things. So it's really just being able to plan this far out in the future. You can look for some really good stuff um, to make the experience look and feel very exciting. And yeah, that's kind of the brunt of it. The Well, you guys, Mary has been killing it. She <laughs> all of a sudden, like I went and I registered for this app and everybody that I told her I was inviting was already on it. And Mary <laughs> had not, had not contacted me for their phone number. So I was like, 
how <laughs> I told out. Sophie, I was like, I want to be as self-sufficient as possible in this process because I really <laughs> am only like somewhat familiar with a couple people, but I'm not going to let that stop me because <laughs> the point is to not have you spoon feed me everything. I'm more than capable. Well, you're yeah. killing it. And I'm very, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I didn't even have to tell her. I literally just told Mary when we want it, where we want it and the people we want. And it's all being handled. <laughs> so I mean, you, impressed. it was perfect. When you were at your nail appointment, you let all the thoughts rattle off. And I was like, noted, noted, noted. But I will say the, the first challenge that will rise is deciding on an Airbnb and then not challenge, but like earlier you can, you can buy an Airbnb, the better. So it's like, you know, wanting that. I think I'll, I'll say it right now. Mental deadline will be like mid October to having it booked. Yeah. That would be, I mean, like obviously probably even by last month would have been most ideal, but at (laughs) this point, having just gotten everyone in one space, that'll be the goal. But you and I both have some tasks and amidst the busy work schedule. So yeah, people can understand the realities of, of that. Yeah. It's a lot going on, but it's all good. And, you know, somebody told me the other day, no matter what, despite all the stress, you will be married by the end of it. And that's what cheers to that. That's most important. Well, I can't wait to, um, talk again in a couple weeks we've had a crazy little last stretch of the summer in terms of recording but um lots of love great to talk to you and i need to go stuff my face yes now stuff it (laughs) (laughs) send me lots of pictures of the food i'm very curious oh it's gonna be a wide range it's gonna be crazy i'm going off you know (laughs) gotta end the summer with a bang but that's it for the processing podcast thank you everyone to listening and make sure to listen to last week's episode if you haven't already and join us in the coming weeks bye everyone bye